What is up, guys? Tanner Wing here with y'all for another edition of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Back after a brief hiatus for the holidays. Big show today. Don't have any guests on like we have the past two weeks. But do have a big show for y'all on deck as we dive into not only what's going on in the NLL and what happened this past weekend, but we also have some PLL stuff for y'all diving into the upcoming PLL expansion draft, as well as talking about the recent news across the league concerning expansion, team name getting dropped last week, as well as assistant coach hires and head coach hires that have been made over the past week or so as well. Big show up for y'all. Let's get right into it. Starting things off with the weekend that was in the NLL, only two games this past weekend, um, but both were very entertaining and um, really came down to the final five, six minutes um, pretty much in both of them. Uh, so we had Philadelphia beat New York 15-12. to The Riptide are still searching for that first win in franchise history. While the Wings win their second in a row. Colorado beats Vancouver 13-9. Colorado continues their win streak. They're now on a three-game win streak with wins that include Saskatchewan and, not Saskatchewan, Calgary and Vancouver. They lost by one goal to Saskatchewan to start the year Colorado did. Looking at this Philadelphia-New York game, it was, um, you know, first off, I I, want to mention this, and and I really don't like talking about attendance in professional lacrosse because it does fluctuate so much. But, you know, I'll talk about it. And I I, I saw pictures that were on, on Twitter. I watched the game. You could see it on the broadcast. It was an empty arena on Long Island on Saturday night. Yes, there was a a decent crowd, and I'm, I'm doing the air quotes, decent crowd there. Um, it, 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 it was, I, I don't even know. And, and I think once this team, and much like Vancouver, 
once once this team starts to win, which you can clearly see they're improving from game to game. They are improving from quarter to quarter, half to half. They are getting better. But it's it has taken some time and it's going to take some time with this Riptide team. Reggie Thorpe and his staff have done a good job thus far. And I think the cohesiveness of this team, especially on the defensive end, is starting to come around. Kyle Buchanan literally waltzed right in through the Riptide defense 33 seconds into the game to get Philadelphia started. But Alex Bouquet and Zach Higgins for New York and Philadelphia, the the goaltender battle here in the first, it it wasn't even really the first half, but about a five, six minute stretch in the first when you had some really good goalie play. And I thought both goalies played, played very well throughout the game. But specifically, there was about a five, six minute period where, maybe seven minute period, where you had some absolute stellar goalie play on both ends. After that, you know, defense still kind of played a big role. And I think Philadelphia's defense... Their defense looks much, much better than it did last season. I just want to point that out. <clears throat> but, you know, after after the first, uh, about midway through the first, it started to get into lacrosse, where you had typical lacrosse. One team goes on a run. Other team answers with another run. It was that kind of game. The Riptide went on a three-goal run uh, midway through the first. Matt Lambeau and Brett Hickey scored two consecutive goals for Philadelphia late in the first. Um, And then Dan Lomas got the last one of the first quarter for New York. Josh Currier... Tied things back up at four um, early in the first. And that was a a very, very exciting goal. I believe it was Kevin Crowley to Josh Currier, who was sitting behind the net. um, Diving goal there. Very entertaining one there. And really, each, each squad was able to just consistently go on these little runs in this game. And... In the end, uh, Philadelphia, you know, so the Riptide went on like a five-goal run midway through the third, I believe, or in the, in the fourth, yeah, like late in the third, 
early in the fourth, they started to get hot. They went on a five-goal run. Brett Hickey was able to finally stop the bleeding. Like, Philadelphia, I think it was about 10 minutes, I want to say, without a goal. But Brett Hickey uh, finally stopped the bleeding for Philadelphia to put the wings, coming off a screen, puts the wings back in front 13-12 to with 5.25 left in the game. Josh Collier, Steph Charbonneau, officially ended it, securing the 15-12 to win for Philadelphia. Really a hot start, uh, a hot ending there for Philadelphia. Trevor Baptiste was on, was you know, unbelievable in this game. 17-29 at the faceoff dot. He surpassed 400 career faceoff wins in just 21 games, I believe. Very impressive uh, first you know, rookie year and start to his sophomore year, or second year in the NLL for Trevor Baptiste. He also had two goals in this game as well. We also saw Tyson Gibson, the first overall draft pick for the Riptide. Have a very good game as well. Three goals to assist. Four, five points. Tyler Digby also had five points for New York. While Brett Hickey had three goals, one assist for Philadelphia. Josh Collier had a hat trick. And Kyle Matisse put up two goals and two assists. As I mentioned, both goalies played very well in this game. Zach Higgins had 37 saves off of 49 shots. Alex Bouquet made 46 saves off of 60 shots on goal for the Riptide. And listen, this is where I want to make this point. Philadelphia took 60 shots, I believe. Yeah, 60 shots. New York had about 50. New York was taking some shots, and and they both were early in the game, and I thought New York's defense did a good job of pushing Philadelphia out. But they were taking shots that were kind of just outside and looked like, not possession shots, but they were shots that, they weren't high-quality shots is what I'm getting at. Neither team did that, especially early on. Philadelphia really um, cleaned it up later in the game. When the, the the Riptide defense started to collapse a bit, they were able to clean it up and, and get more inside looks. Uh, Trevor Baptiste, I believe both of his goals came in, um, came off the face-off, I believe. Or either in transition. So both of those were, were, were inside. And um, Matt, Rambo, I believe, Matt Rambo, I believe, had an inside goal, um, but both teams were kind of sitting out on the perimeter, which was expected, but you, you've got to take higher quality shots. Both teams did. So Philadelphia beats New York 15-12, to getting into the second game of the weekend. Colorado 13, Vancouver 9. <clears throat> As I mentioned, Colorado moves their win streak to three games. And they came back 
after Vancouver got up four to nothing early in the game. Colorado goes on a twelve to five run in like the final fifty something minutes, I believe. Um, gets gets that thirteen nine win, and Colorado looks really good once again. Uh, Vancouver came out hot. Logan Schuss played unbelievable for Vancouver. I believe he ended with three goals to assist, five points there. Uh, but I mean, I I gotta. Get, Joey Capito played. I this this might be one of the best games that I've seen him play personally. Three goals to assist for Joey Capito to lead Colorado. And you know this this was a a team win for Colorado. I don't know no, after the first and they even pulled Dylan Ward for a minute. And because the, the defense was simply non-existent, but after that first TV timeout, they came out focused, and I believe this was said on the broadcast. Um, I can't I believe it was Capito that said this in the in, in the post-game um, interview that they did on on the floor, and he said, "You know, we came out, we played Colorado Mammoth Lacrosse. We didn't do that in the beginning." We did that the last 50-some-odd minutes of the game. Played Colorado Mammoth Lacrosse. And this was a fun game. <clears throat> this was a fun game. Colorado really came down. You know, it was... It was... It was It was 8-7 midway through the third. 8-8. Um, Heading into the final quarter, and at the end of the third, heading into the fourth, um, Logan just tied things up late in the third, eight to eight. Colorado was a- was able to hang on and get this win. Um, I shouldn't say hang on because they really had to come back in this one and. V- like I like Vancouver, I'll cut it them. Like they never went away in this one. Vancouver never went away. They were always there. Like they came out hot, came out firing, and they stayed on pretty much the whole game. Jacob Rue put the final nail in the coffin for Colorado. On an open netter. And really after that, Vancouver couldn't... The final, you know, five minutes of the game was pretty much all Colorado. You kind of knew this one was over. Vancouver had some good looks, uh, to be honest, but just could not... Could not strike back. Mitch Jones made it a one-goal game uh, midway through the fourth quarter. And um, just just could not overcome that. <clears throat> I, you know, like I, in terms of goalie play in this one, Dylan Ward thirty eight saves off of forty seven shots, and Eric Penny thirty three saves off of forty 
45 shots. I, you know, I don't... Like, Dylan Wood, I think, played... He, he struggled in the beginning. Like, I'll, like I'll say, he struggled in the beginning. But he really shot up. Like, really played well down the stretch again. Just like he did uh, two weeks ago when they went down to Atlanta and played Georgia in that game. Dylan Ward uh, played fantastic as well. So, I mean... To have him playing so well at the end of games like he is now is a big boost for Colorado. And this, I think this is a Colorado team, like, in, in, and, you know, it, right now we're about just over a month into the season. And I, for me right now, Colorado, Halifax, New England are looking the best. And then, obviously, Saskatchewan and Georgia also look very good as well. Those are kind of the two teams that I expect to be there at the end. But Colorado, New England, Halifax, I think both have a chance just to, to, to get to the finals. Just given what I've seen so far and how they've been playing really on both ends. Week number seven in the NLL is coming up this weekend. A lot of games this weekend. Especially after having just two games last weekend. The one, two, three, four, five. Five games this weekend. Starting off on, what's the 10th? Today's the 6th, so the 10th is Friday, I believe. Starting off on Friday with one game, Vancouver at Philadelphia. Then we have Colorado at Halifax. This is Saturday now. Rochester at Toronto. Buffalo at Georgia. And Saskatchewan at San Diego. So those are the five games on the docket coming up this next weekend in the NLL. Looking here at the current divisional standings. In the east, we have New England leading the pack with a 3-0 record. Georgia and Philadelphia both have 2-1 records. And New York is 0-5 as they still search for that first franchise victory. Halifax moving to the North Division now. Halifax is 3-0. Toronto is 2-1. Buffalo is 1-1. And and Rochester is 0-3. In the West, we have Colorado, 3-1, Saskatchewan, 2-1, Calgary, 2-2, San Diego is 1-3, and and Vancouver is also 1-3. So New England, Halifax, Colorado leading the three divisions right now, Saskatchewan, Toronto, and Georgia 
while in that second, not second, I don't want to say second tier, but they are in second in their respective divisions thus far. I mean, you know, a lot can happen from now until when the season ends in, what is it, April now, I believe? Week 22 is, yeah, April 25th, Calgary at San Diego is the last game of the season. So a lot can happen from now until April. Injuries. Trades. Many, many things can happen from now until April. But that is how things stand right now in the NLL. Moving on to the PLL. A lot of news came out of the PLL last weekend. excuse me, last week and a bit today as I'm recording on a Monday afternoon. So, PLL, expansion, is kind of the big thing in that league right now. The PLL announced, so first off, I'll go back. A few weeks. I think I mentioned both of these on the last podcast, but I'll go ahead and mention them again. Uh, Tim Sudan hired as the head coach of Chrome LC, and Ben Rubior hired as the head coach of Atlas Lacrosse Club. And there is a seventh lacrosse club as well now. The PLL has announced Water Dogs Lacrosse Club as the seventh club in the league. I'm still not sure how I feel about that name. Um, it's it's a bit like I don't feel like it fits with what the league like. It just doesn't fit with the other team names to me. But I said all along, like, people trying to predict, like, you know, what they would name it and, like, what kind of route they would take. I always said, like, they're going to surprise us. And while, yeah, Water Dogs did kind of leak out, there was a leak about a week ago or two weeks ago now, I guess. You know... It's still kind of setting in for me. Um, so, Water Dogs Lacrosse Club has been announced as the seventh club in the Premier Lacrosse League. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It's um, it's a bit. It's different. I don't know. I, I like the color scheme, though. The purple and the black do look good together. Um, the helmets should be pretty good. Pretty good. So, we'll see. But, beyond the team name, there's a team and there are coaches and players. 
The initial roster of 18 players will be set during the PLL's expansion draft on February 12th, and we're going to get into that in a minute. Uh, they also will have the PLL Collegiate Draft, and there's also going to be a new players draft as well. But first, we need to get into some other PLL announcements before we go over expansion draft stuff. So former Fairfield head coach Andy Copeland has been named the head coach of Water Dogs LC. And we've also had a number of assistant coach hires in the PLL over the past few over the past week or so as well. Just today, Stephen Brooks and Rick Beardsley were announced as assistant coaches for Atlas Lacrosse Club. Um Fantastic hires there for both for, for both guys. I mean, that 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 is a especially Rick Beardsley. Like that is a that that is a great hire for that for that club. Um, now, looking at the other. The other two clubs that have hired assistants recently, so as you know, Chrome um, and Water Dogs are both announcing their head coaches over the past few weeks, um, as well as um, Atlas, and just mentioned those two assistant coach hires. But Chrome Lacrosse Club has announced the hiring of Nick uh, Falento and Jacquez Martin as assistant coaches. Both have previously spent time with Tim Sudan either on in the front office or on the sidelines as an assistant with the Rochester, now Dallas, Rattlers of the MLL when Tim Sudan was a head coach there. And interestingly enough, Chrome has a lot of players that were on that Rattlers team, John Galloway being one name that comes to mind. So this coaching staff there is very familiar with a lot of these players, and I think that's going to play a key role in seeing how good this team can be this year. They were the worst team in the league last year, had two wins. Uh, so it will be very interesting to see what this new coaching staff can come up with this summer. Water Dogs LC has announced Robert Cross and Brendan Dawson as assistant coaches joining Andy Copeland on the inaugural staff of Water Dogs. And, you know, not, both guys have college experience. All, all three guys have college coaching experience. Um, so, you know, more interesting, a bit more interesting than. Uh, with Chrome, and again, we don't have a Water Dogs roster yet, so it'll be interesting to see what they do and what kind of direction this staff wants to go in in terms of expansion um, in the expansion draft and all of that. Speaking of expansion draft, it comes the 
protected and unprotected list come out or do on February 12th, I believe. Oh, excuse me. The expansion draft is on February 12th. The expansion draft protected list are due on February, January 12th. Oh, 13th. January 13th. So, a week from today of me recording this, y'all listening to this on Tuesday, whenever you're listening to this, I'm recording this on Monday, so a week from today is when the expansion draft list for, expansion draft protected list are due for clubs in the PLL. And uh, later on this week, I will have out my expansion draft projections, and we'll also have a full-blown podcast dedicated to the expansion draft. But first, let's get into a bit of PLL expansion draft breakdown. I'll go through every team briefly on here. And then, as mentioned, I will have a full-blown PLL Expansion Draft preview podcast coming out later this week to preview, or not Expansion Draft preview, but Expansion Draft protected and unprotected list preview to kind of preview what, and, and, and break down these into more, uh, in more depth. So that will be coming out later this week. And uh, to wrap up this show, I'll just be going into a brief breakdown of each team, kind of what they need to focus on when no protecting when when in the process of making these protected and unprotected list. All right, so when looking at all of these PLL teams and kind of what they need for, you know, what they need to protect coming into this expansion draft. Um, You know, there's a lot of different ways that I think, there's certain teams that are easier to kind of look at and say, you know, definite, this is what they need to do than other teams. Um, the three most difficult teams, and I'll link my PLL draft projections article down in the show notes, but the most difficult teams um, to kind of project are Chaos, Redwoods, and Whipsnakes. Um, out of those three, Redwoods is certainly the most difficult um, because of their depth at uh, defensively specifically and then also at the midfield. Now, going in alphabetical order here, starting here with archers, you know, there's not really... The the interesting thing about archers is they do have the first overall pick. And when you look at, you know, the two ways that they will... that I think they can go in with that first overall pick is... At the face-off dot, 
get TD Irwin out of Yale. Or at the attack position, you have Grant Ament. You have Michael Sowers. And plenty of other attackmen coming out um, of the NCAA this year. Obviously, Ament and Sowers are probably the two best. You could also argue for Mac O'Keefe. There's a ton of ton of talent, offensive talent in this draft. So that is something that I think we will see them um, you know, put into consideration when looking at these, um, when looking at putting out a protected list. Now, I think Archers, because of that first overall pick, and also you factor in um, Jackson Place's injury as well, and I, I'll get into that a bit more into uh, my podcast coming out in a few days, uh, later on this week, or come out on Thursday, talking about really breaking down each team. So, Archers is kind of a it, it's a pretty easy one uh, to predict. Obviously, you, I, I I think for them, it's more of the do you keep it? No, the decision is more of do we keep a face off man? Do we not? So Stephen Kelly, do we or do we not take keep him on there? And then also Dominique Alexander, do you want to risk just leaving two defensemen and keeping Alexander and Kelly at the defensive midfield and faceoffs dot, or do you want to just do straight up three attack, three midfield, a faceoff man, three defensemen, and a goalie? Which I think is the, the way that a lot of these teams are going to go. Um, Atlas certainly, you know, I think what's interesting about both Atlas and Chrome. Um, so I'll talk about these two together. Atlas and Chrome. The interesting thing with them is they both have first year head coaches that did not coach last year, and they're coming into this and literally coming into this, uh, getting hired about a month out from when these lists are due. They're due next week. So it's been about three, four weeks since Ben Rubio was hired as the head coach at Atlas, uh, of Atlas, and Tim Sudan hired as the head coach of Chrome. So that is going to be an interesting one to look at for both of those just because the, you have new head coaches. Now, Tim Sudan has coached a lot of guys that played for him when he was the head coach of the Rochester Rattlers, and it just happens to be that a lot of those Rattlers, the previous Rattlers players, are on the Chrome roster. So I think he's going to have a better, um, he's more informed of each player having coached them before than Rubio is, and Rubio, he knows a lot of these guys. He's worked with these guys, um, played with some of them. I know him and Paul Rabel have a good relationship. He's a coach at the project that Project Nine uh, that Rabel has been running for a couple of years now. So it's not like you know nobody's coming into this into the dark, you know, out of the dark, blindfolded. Atlas per se, like I, I honestly think they're just straight up going to keep it simple on this one, and there's not too many things to. Um, look at and kind of project 
on their roster. And I mentioned the article, their, their roster is kind of, I use the word bland just because there's not many intricacies there. Um, the only thing would be, you know, the, Chris Coche is not, I mean, they're not going to be able to protect Chris Coche. Like, it, it's it's going to be tough for them to do that because you're not letting Trevor Baptiste go. And I don't think they're letting any, I think they're keeping three defensemen, three attack, three midfield, and obviously um, a goalie there. And <clears throat> so that that's the one thing with them. Um, and I forgot to mention with Archers, too, they have that two-goalie system, so it'll be interesting to see what Chris Bates goes with there. Chaos. The, so, Chaos, and I'll talk about this more on the podcast uh, coming out in a few days, but they are probably outside of Archers with that first pick and Redwoods with the amount of depth they have at certain positions. Chaos is the most interesting team um, when you're looking at and, and trying to project these lists. Um, obviously, they're going to keep the three midfielders, the three attackmen. Uh, Thomas Kelly, I don't think they're not going to protect him. The, and I, I really think Chaos, their best bet is to keep it simple. And when you get you know, Mark Grossini, um, or Thomas Kelly. I think that's the main decision for them. And also, Brody Merrill. You could not protect Kelly or Gorsini and choose to protect Brody Merrill. I, I cannot see Brody Merrill getting protected. I can also not see him not getting picked by Water Dogs. Um... Chaos does have a little something that works to their advantage. And they have a couple of guys that will be exempt from the from the expansion draft altogether. Uh, so you, they don't have to, to protect them. That is Austin Stotts because he was injured last year as a rookie. Um, then you also have, so he did not play. So he is exempt. He was on the. He never dressed. Was never on a travel roster. He's exempt. Every rookie that did not dress was not on a travel roster is exempt. Also, they have Grayson Terrain, Johnny Sodict, and Matt Rees, who are active duty military. They are by default exempt. So they have those guys that are exempt. Uh, Chrome talked about them a bit. You know, I've heard some people talk about John Galway, Brett Queener. Who do they pick there? I wouldn't be surprised if they. I would be surprised if they go with Queener over Galway, just because I think Galway is the guy. Um, and both goalies have played for the Rattlers under Sudan as well. And I mentioned that. Uh, their big thing is kind of John Vanigan, Max Tuttle. Who do you want to go with? Um, I, I think they're keeping, you know, I don't think they're keeping three defensemen. So when you look at, you have Jordan McIntosh, Matt Donowski, Romar Dennis, and Connor Farrell at the faceoff dot. Those are the guys at the midfield that you want to keep in the middle of the field. 
Uh, John Vanagan, Max Tuttle, who do you want to keep there? I would say Vanagan. Uh, just because of experience, he did play more, so just going off of the body work thing there. But also, I would not be surprised if Max Tuttle gets protected over them. Um, I believe Simon Matthias might be... Oh, no, no, he did dress. So he is not... Um, he did dress for two, played in two or three games for them, uh, so he's not on that exempt list. Um, and again, like I mentioned, the the player pool and all that is is a bit murky, so it is difficult, uh, more difficult with the PLL to kind of, you know, outside of the known commodities, it's a bit difficult to uh, gauge who they're gonna get, who they're gonna protect, and all of that in terms of guys that maybe only played one or two games and things like that, because they do have that rule. I think it's five games, if I'm not mistaken, that you don't play or don't on the travel roster, you get put in the player pool. But, you know, what happens to those guys that didn't get picked up? Do they go back to their team for this? And it it, 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 it is a very murky situation. Um, there is some more fluidity now that the PL does have a transaction page on the website, we can see those things, but still it's a little bit murkier than, uh, per se, with the NLL. Um, last two teams here, Redwoods and uh, Whipsnakes, and then I will get out of here. And uh, that next podcast will be coming out on Thursday. So Redwoods, um, you need to – I'm going to talk more in depth about, the, about these two teams on the next podcast. I'm not going to say too much about them, but – Redwoods, they have, you could argue, five or six defensemen that could probably be inserted on any roster in the league and be a top guy on the defensive side. That's a blessing and a curse. Um, You know, it's going to be difficult to see who... It's going to be difficult for... Nat St. Laurent to pick which guy do you want? Which guys do you want? Because what I have on here is I kind of went off body of work. And so I have Matt Landis and Logan Kemp and Brian Carolunas all three not getting protected. That's a lot. Also, Kyle Harrison, Joe Walters, Brent Adams at the midfield, not getting protected. Also, Nico Sello as well. That That's a lot. That is a lot. But they, I, but they still have the talent to... To be a, a a top team, like it's they they're not losing a ton, but they are at the same time. Whip snakes is a bit more easier to gauge. So I mean, they have some locks. Obviously, Matt Lambo, uh, Joe Nardella, I think, are the and Kyle Burnwell are the three like definite locks. Ryan Drenner as well. Thing for them is like. And I, I don't think they're not protecting Tyler Warner at the defensive midfield. So, Connor Kelly, 
I think you protect him. The big question for me was Ryan Jenner, Drew Snyder, Connor Kelly, Ben Reeves, John Haas. Those are the those all those guys are in contention in my mind for those last two spots. So we'll see what they do with that. Um, it, but Whip Snakes is is going to be interesting in that regard. Uh, Redwoods on the defensive end. Again, guys, thanks for listening um, to the podcast this week. Again, we'll have another one out on Thursday. Just going over the PLL expansion draft. I'll go over all the rules again and then break down every team into more detail than I did. Uh, Just a quick overview there. Again, thanks for listening. Um, Crossbucket.com. Y'all can check us out. Have a great week.